It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And welcome on into another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman. Uh, finally back with, with both members of our, our prospect crew. Uh, sorry, Mike Rosenbaum. He needs to come and represent himself at some point. Uh, but for now, it is Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, Jonathan, uh, how are you doing? Doing just fine. Uh, as we record this, uh, uh, my bags are packed uh, and I'm ready to go, and uh, I'll be seeing uh, folks in, in Secaucus tomorrow. Yes, and uh, Jim, as we talked about on, on the last podcast, uh, the top 100, the new top 100 is coming out soon. This is another podcast covering the top 10 positional lists. We're going to talk about second baseman, third baseman, shortstops, and outfielders. Uh, Jim, are you excited to to finally have the, the top 100 released? Yeah, no, it's good, and, and that's the, kind of the gateway to doing all of our top 30s, which are around the corner, and uh, you know, it's always kind of fun line the prospects up and, and seeking industry feedback and, and figuring out where to rank guys and uh no, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, but we will save the top 100 chat for next week, although obviously there will be some of it uh, sprinkled in here uh, somewhat vaguely. Um, but we're going to talk about uh, some some positions, and, and we might get to some, some more fun stuff at the end. But let's start uh, with the second base list. Um, now, this is not necessarily, you know, Jim, we talked last time about uh, the, the first base list, the top 10 first base prospect list, which is sometimes not the sexiest list. Second base is maybe even more challenging to put together. Uh, Jim, can you talk about uh, how you how you decide who even qualifies as a second baseman? There aren't a lot of guys that come into pro ball trying to be second baseman. Um, so, so talk about the process of putting the second base list together. Yeah, well, for first, for position eligibility, we, we used a guy's primary position last year. I mean, you could project guys to move but if we did that our shortstop list would look a lot differently because we'll talk about that in a second I think only one of our top 10 shortstops is as star-studded as that list is is an absolute lock to stay at shortstop um so all these guys on our second base list played primarily or, or played more games at second base than any other position last year I guess is the best way to put it um you know some of them did play other positions some of them may not be second baseman for long um, you know, but, it, but these are all guys who played second base and you're right. I mean, it is like first base, probably the most challenging position to fill out 10 guys, just because, you know, we talked about how the first baseman are your least well-rounded guys are usually not to, uh, typecast our, our first baseman or stereotype them, but like the worst athletes of the bunch and they're all bats. Um, and generally if a guy's a chance to play another position, teams try to play him there. Um, you know, the second baseman, there's a lot of former shortstops on this list. In fact, three of our top four guys played a lot of shortstop last year. Our other guy played some shortstop in college. Um, but you know, you're looking at guys who aren't quite good enough to play shortstop. Um, but you'll probably have more of that middle infielder offensive profile. So it's, you know, maybe the, in general, Jonathan, the, Lee, the, the, I don't know what the right adjective is, the smallest offensive profile maybe of any position, except for maybe catchers, and some defensive value, but not as high as other positions, I guess, you know, at least as the uh, other up the middle positions, except for maybe center field. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because, yes, this is not like the, the 
position, but I remember when we were putting the list together, and this is completely sort of anecdotally in my mind, I felt that this was a pretty solid list, especially at the top. Uh, maybe it's because some of, some of the guys who are on this list actually do have the ability to play shortstop, um, even if they don't end up, you know, like I think there are a lot of teams that could put Brendan Rodgers or Vidal Bruhan or even Xavier Edwards at short and would be okay. Um, and G1 Bay for the Pirates also is capable of playing shortstop. So uh, maybe that maybe that's what made me, made me think of it. Um, I, I didn't feel quite as when we were getting to the end of the list, like, oof, you know, these – I don't love these guys at the end. And, and I think up top, it, it's actually fairly strong. And I think it helped, too, to have two guys who were fairly high picks last year. And Michael Bush of the Dodgers, who, to be honest, I don't think he's really going to stay at second base long term, but they're they're giving it a shot. And then Chase Strumpf out of UCLA. I mean, both those guys went in the top two rounds, Bush in the first round, Strumpf to the Cubs in the second round. And I think that um, bumps it up a little bit, too. Uh, I'm also curious, uh, looking at the middle of this list, uh, there are some interesting names here, even if they're not the, the most high-profile guys. Uh, Nick Solak is a guy who plays kind of all over the place, um, and he had a pretty strong Major League debut. How much did that uh, kind of factor into to where he ended up on the list, Jonathan? I think, you know, you don't want to look too much, you know, because it is, he had 116 at-bats, 33 games. It's, it, it's a somewhat limited sample size. I think it obviously helps. Um, he had a good year in the minors, obviously AAA numbers are what they are, but, um, that's where he was playing. Uh, I, I think there's a lot to like with his offensive profile. Um, I think he can really hit, I think, you know, if, if a team wanted him to be an everyday offensive minded second baseman, he could be, um, I think he's probably more likely to be that sort of super utility guy who works his way into the lineup. Uh, every, every day just because he can hit. But I think he, he certainly could could be a capable second baseman. Um, you know, so uh, I guess the quick, you know, quicker answer is, yeah, obviously a guy comes up and, and plays well in his major league debut over a, a relatively extended period of regular playing time that it's going to come into, come into play, especially once you get past the sort of more elite level guys on this list. And it was interesting with him. I mean, he's always a guy who's been a speed guy. Yeah, that was probably his best tool, speed in his bat, and he hit 32 homers last year. I know the balls were jacked up, but uh, he is an interesting guy. Uh, Jim, is there anyone else before we move on uh, to the the? I think we'll do shortstops next because it, it's more of a, an easy transition. Is there any other guy on the back half of this list that you uh, that stands out to you uh, when you were putting this together? Yeah, I think Aaron Bracco of the of the Indians is a guy who I, I think could rock it up this list. Um, you know, if things go as expected, Brendan Rodgers and Nick Madrigal are going to graduate, and, and it wouldn't shock me. And so will Solak. It wouldn't shock me to see Bracco in the top three on this list next year. He, he's a guy. He's you know, speaking of offensive second baseman, a guy who can switch hitter can really hit. He's got some deceptive power. Um, you know. Okay, not great second baseman, but should be able to stay there. He was signed as a shortstop, and he's just one of several offensive-minded infielders, you know, sweet-swinging middle infielders in the Indian system. And and I think he'll be in full season ball this year, probably, even though he's only 18, um, you know, maybe in the second half of the season. But um, he can really, really hit. 
All right, Jonathan, let's move uh, to the shortstops. I know I believe third base came out first, but it feels like it's more natural to transition uh, to talk about the shortstops here. Uh, this is, as expected, uh, one of the more star-studded groups. We've got uh, our, our top two prospects in, in Wanda Franco and Gavin Lux at the top, Royce Lewis and there at number three. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, the recent uh, top pick. Carter Keeboom, who I feel like has been completely forgotten about uh, in there at number five. C.J. Abrams, who had a hell of a pro debut uh, at six. Marco Luciano, the young teenage uh, phenom with the Giants. Uh, Jeter Downs, what a season for him. Uh, Jim and I were talking about that a little bit last week. Nico Horner and Ronnie Mauricio. So I, I love this list. Um, obviously, it's a lot of fun prospects, but it's a really great mix of uh, some some polished older guys, you know, like Horner, uh, and then also some some really young young phenoms like Mauricio, like Luciano. Uh, how, how did you feel about uh, putting this shortstop list together? I love that Nico Horner at age 22 is, is an older guy. I, I know, but it's I have to say it because everyone else here is, is a teenager. The shortstops tend to be uh, tends to be a pretty deep list. I feel like uh, this is deeper than it has been. Uh, I had two questions for uh, Inbox, um, which is on the site now, asking about shortstops not on this list, um, both of whom are really good, Andres Jimenez of the Mets and Jordan Groshans of the – uh, um, of the Blue Jays, and um, both are really good, and that shows you how deep this list is. Yeah, it was fun. I do think that is a, a very, very exciting combination of the sort of really high ceiling guys, obviously starting with the guy at the top and Franco, uh, but to see uh, Luciano and Mauricio and even Abrams from last year's draft class on here, uh, to go along with the, the super high floor guys, uh, and this is taking nothing away from, say, Gavin Lux or Carter Keboom, um, but I think they, you know, or even Nico Horner, uh, this, you know, maybe slightly higher floor, um, and, and even figuring out where to put Lux on, on this list. And then the overall top 100, there was some of that, uh, conversation. Uh, and again, it's not that he doesn't have ceiling, it's just that the floor is so ridiculous. I think there's more surety about what he, what he can be. Yeah, and, and Jim, I, I want to go back to a comment you mentioned before is, is of course, all these guys uh, are playing shortstop right now. Um, but I'm not sure if you mentioned it before, but who who is the one guy uh, that you feel is most likely to take it short? And you said one, but then, then who would you say is the second uh, that you feel most confident in staying at the position? Because, of course, shortstop is a pretty high uh, defensive demand. Um, so so who, is, who is the one who has the highest defensive grade and who, who's the next guy that you would, you would put your money on sticking there? Um, you know, Bobby Witt is the one guy, and you know, he's the only guy on this list who we gave a 60 at shortstop. And you know, it's funny, we only gave two other guys 55s. I mean, we really, you know, when we lined this up, I mean, it's coming off shoot the top 100, and we had 18 shortstops on the top 100, so we we took the top 10. But the other two guys in the top 10 who are 55 fielders are Royce Lewis and, and C.J. Abrams, who I, I think have a you know a pretty good chance to stick at shortstop. Although Lewis moved all over the diamond in the fall league. Um, I think there are fewer questions about him playing shortstop than maybe there were in high school. You know, C.J. Abrams, you know, there's maybe, you know, some mild questions about his arm. It's it's more solid than plus, but it's, you know, it, it, I think it's enough. Those would probably be the next two guys. You know, Franco, you know, I think the assumption is he's going to get a little bit bigger and slow down and maybe be more of a third baseman. I don't think he's going to. If the Rays, you know, Willie Domus stays there, I think Willie Domus is a better shortstop. You know, Corey Seager's probably better shortstop than Gavin Lux, who's had some throwing issues at times, although not as many last year. You know, Keyboom, 
you know, I think is probably more of a second or third baseman in the long run. Luciano's another guy who probably, you know, gets bigger, moves off short. You know, Jeter Downs has got Seager and Lux in, in front of him in L.A. Nico Horner's probably more of a second baseman with Javi Baez at short. And, and Mariso, who's 6'3 and is going to get a lot bigger, I think most people project him as a third baseman. But like I said before, when we're talking about the second baseman, we're, project, you know, we're evaluating guys at the position they're playing now. Um, and then that's why it just, it just struck me that that was unusual that, that there's so many high offensive ceilings, but there might only be a couple of these guys stick at shortstop. Right. And it does just feel like, uh, maybe teams are just more tolerant of, uh, of having somewhat, maybe in the same way, in some cases, like, like catcher where it's like, look, we just want to get the best bat in the lineup. Uh, Jonathan, I want to throw to you the, the question I asked Jim about a second baseman who on the back half of this list, uh, are you most excited about? I mean, even down to number 10, there's so many high ceilings, or if there's someone like you mentioned, the guys in the inbox, uh, that's not on here, uh, I can think of one. Uh, who will hopefully be playing very near you, <laughs> although whether he's a shortstop is obviously a question as well. Um, are there any uh, uh, other other guys in the back half of this list you are extremely excited about, Jonathan? I think near me. Uh, yeah, he's he's, a, he's seven foot seven, and he still oh. plays shortstop. <laughs> I think that's like I, I've already I, I, I'm already picturing him uh, taking balls off the wall in right field at PNC Park and and throwing guys out. Uh, O'Neill Cruz is a guy you're talking about. Yeah, I mean he's he's always fun to talk about, um, and he uh, I don't know he looked even taller at rookie. Right, he? I was telling Jim that he he was like, the tallest person in, there in street clothes, and then like yeah, you, you had other guys walking by him being like that guy's huge, you know. You know when Joe Adele is men- mentioning that a guy is big, um, but from this top ten, I mean. I've always liked Jeter Downs. Um, I, I got to talk to him when he was in the Reds system. He was in Dayton, and he was great to talk to. Uh, you know, the power-speed combination is really interesting, regardless of where he uh, where he ends up. Um, I think he's going to be a, a really exciting player. And, you know, he's a guy who reached double-A last year and didn't turn 21 till the end of July. So, you know, that's pretty – pretty exciting the the Dodgers obviously don't need to rush him uh, and I don't know where exactly he'll play um but it'll be fun to sort of see how that that works itself out over the next year yeah uh Jim I since we've spent enough time talking about uh O'Neill Cruz but I do want to give a little bit more time shortstop here I gotta I gotta I gotta kind of bang the drum here for Jazz Chisholm how close was he to making it I know he has some pretty big strikeout issues compared to a lot of these other guys um, but but Jazz, I mean, he was he was really on a in a meteoric uh, pace, I would say, at this time last year. Uh, where does he kind of fall into this conversation? Yeah, I mean, Cruz and Chisholm are right behind, you know, within a few spots of Ronnie Mauricio on overall top 100. So he didn't miss by much. I mean, Jazz, if you were going on, per, on pure ceiling, would be one of the top 10 shortstops because he's definite shortstop. He's got huge power. He can run, but. I mean, the guy hit 220 in Double A last year, so we we knocked him down a little bit because of that. Um, you know, he did draw more walks, so that was promising. Still struck out at about a 32 percent clip, I think, doing the math in my head. But um, no, he's still exciting, but he's got to make some adjustments because obviously, you know, 
220 in double A isn't going to cut it. You know, the, the positive side for the Marlins, he hit a lot better in, in the final month of the season with them after he got traded for Zach Gallen. But no, he's still, he's still very exciting, huge ceiling at shortstop. Is that, that a fair assessment, John? Is there, is there anyone else that uh, was you maybe argued for in this top 10 besides O'Neill Cruz? I know you mentioned Andres Jimenez. Yeah, I, Jimenez was a, you know, a little bit further down. Um, I think that, um, uh, Jordan Groshans, who may end up at third, and that's you know, kind of what the the question was was whether you know whether we considered him and Ian Bax at shortstop or at third. And as it was a shortstop, he doesn't make it now as a third baseman. Uh, and here's your segue for you, but uh, you know he he'd be he'd be on that list. I, I guess the 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 other guy I would mention quickly is, is a guy we all liked um, in the fall league, and that was uh, Geraldo Perdomo. Um, uh, from the Diamondbacks, and he, you know, was incredibly young and performed exceptionally well in the fall league. Uh, and I think he is uh, a guy that we are keeping an eye on. To borrow the the phrase that we use in all of our top ten stories, um, and I believe uh, Jim, you you use Perdomo want to keep an eye on if I'm not mistaken I did I did I mean I, I figured like we've talked about O'Neill Cruz we've talked about Chisholm I wanted to kind of spotlight a guy who maybe hadn't gotten quite as much attention and you know Perdomo is a guy who has a chance to have solid tools across the board and I think you know speaking of Chisholm I think he made Chisholm expendable honestly um, when they made the Zach Allen trade I don't know if they make that trade or if it's as easy to make that trade without Perdomo emerging like he did this season I totally agree. That was that was my next point, Jim. So you'll just have to trust me on that. But <laughs> I, I remember thinking the same thing because I, I really had known very little about Perdomo before uh, the 2019 season, but he really came on and I agree. He looked excellent in the fall league. All right, Jim, uh, or sorry, Jonathan, you gave me that uh, great transition uh, to the third baseman as we slide over uh, on the diamond. Uh, so let's talk about these these guys at the hot corner. Some of these guys, uh, I mean, maybe played shortstop in the past. Well, I guess looking at the list, is not that many of these guys were playing shortstop. I guess Josh Young played some shortstop uh, in college. Um, but let's talk about this third base list. Uh, not all of these guys are on the top 100, uh, which I can see. Um, but it's still still some pretty some top end talent. Two guys named Nolan very close together. Uh, Jim, what do you what do you think of this this third base list? Definitely some mix between you know power defense specific. Uh, well, how do you, what do you like about these third basemen? Well, as you say, I think the thing that jumps out to me most about this position is I think there's more debate if you're talking about who the top prospect is at this position than there is at any other position. I mean, Adley Rutschman's clearly the best catcher. You know, Andrew Vaughn jumps out at first base. You know, second base maybe there's a little bit more discussion, but but on, on you know outfield. You know, you got Luis Robert and Joe Adele kind of head and shoulders of everybody else. You know, shortstops is as loaded as it is. You know, Franco and Lux are one two on on the end of 2019 top 100, and, and the pitchers also. You know, there, there's a couple guys. I, I really think you could argue any of the top four guys on this list. You know, Alec Baum, Cabrian Hayes, Nolan Jones, Nolan Gorman as the top third base prospect, and I don't think Josh Young is is too far behind. And I do think if Brett Beatty hits like he can. Um, you know, Brett, I, I see a lot. I, I don't see a lot of difference, honestly, between Brett Beatty and Alec Baum. Um, you know, Alex, you know, at a higher level and he came out of college versus high school. But I think Brett Beatty could be that type of guy. So, uh, um, yeah, that, that's the interesting thing to me is I think you could really debate back and forth 
which of these guys you think is the best third base prospect. You know, I, I think Baum got the nod because he hit well three levels last year and, and he hit well in the Arizona Fall League. You know, I, I think the biggest question with him, you know, looking at these guys, and you know, it's, it's like shortstop. Some of these guys might not stick at third base. I, I, I like Alec Baum's bat. I don't like the glove a whole lot. And I think he's a pretty good chance to wind up at first base. And if you really bought into that, then it would be easy to take a guy like Cabrian Hayes, who's the best defender on this list, or Nolan Jones, who isn't going to necessarily be a gold glover, but can get the job done and has, you know, a high offensive ceiling too, or, or Nolan Gorman. But um, it's a really interesting position because I think you could argue the order on these guys in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and, and Jim, I, I agree with that sentiment. And, and Jonathan, I guess, uh, assuming you sort of fall in the same area, I'm, I'm curious who you think, since all these guys could kind of fall in the same general range, which of these guys has the highest ceiling? Uh, I the overall package. I mean, maybe Bomb has, you know, the complete offensive package, but maybe he ends up at first base. Is there one of these guys that you think, like, if it all clicks, this dude could be the absolute best player of the bunch? You know, that, uh, I think he could go in, in, in any of uh, a number of directions um, with, uh, with with this. And I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember who, who we had in the story. Um uh, offhand, like who we said was the the guy with the highest ceiling. Not that necessarily agree with that, but um, let me uh, let me try to take a look here. I, I will throw out one while you while you look at that real quick. I I would say bomb, and I think Mike must have written the story because I didn't write it. But um, I, I'd say I think bomb has the best chance to hit for average and power. So I personally would go with bomb. Yeah, that's who he picked, and, and I think you know he he's one of those guys that could be ceiling and floor. I think, you know, the, the, the two guys that jump out in terms of me, one is Nolan Gorman. Um, and he like, he had a weird year last year. Like he, he got bumped up to high a after his huge pro debut, there was a ton of swing and miss. The overall numbers weren't great. Um, it's hard to hit in Palm beach. Um, so I think that if it really clicks for him, this is a guy who's gonna, you know, hit 40 plus homers a year, maybe. Uh, and then the other guy is Cabrian Hayes, only because, you know, as Jim mentioned, he's the he's the best defender in the, on this group. He uh, gets votes for best defensive prospect in baseball, period. But he's only shown glimpses of what he can do offensively. His you know his twenty eighteen in Double A was was pretty solid. Last year he was kind of, eh, but he finished really well. Um, you know, uh, and I think that there is, uh, there's some more power to tap into. So he's a guy that I kind of look at, like, I don't, I, I don't think he has shown what his offensive ceiling is yet. And he may be the kind of guy that you don't really see it all click until he gets to the big leagues. Um, you know, when he's just turning 23 later this month. So, uh, he's the other guy I would sort of put a circle around for that ceiling conversation yeah no i totally agree i mean just based on offensive production hayes is is not you have not seen it quite yet uh like these other guys i will also make another note uh, on gorman that while the if you just look at his his line in in the florida state league 256 304 428 that's actually like comfortably above average in the florida state league and especially for a 19 year old uh that is still pretty impressive but i do agree he might be going a little bit slower more slow than, than we expect although now he has his best friend matthew libertor in the system with him. So uh, he really has no, no excuses to not be 
you know, uh, all smiles all the time and just, you know, raking all the way up the system. Uh, Jim, uh, is there anyone on the back half, maybe that's not on the top 100, uh, that you like? It's kind of a, a strange uh, collection of uh, players here. Also, maybe some guys who knows that they're third baseman. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, Jonathan India, uh, Abraham Toro, and Cody Hosey. You know I love Cody Hosey. Uh, he was a big, big draft guy that I like. But any of those names stand out to you, Jim? Yeah, I think well, – well, two guys. One, I think Dahlbeck's kind of flown under the radar as a guy who – I mean, I don't know how many times in a row, Jonathan, maybe the last three lists. Like, he's been on the – verge making the top 100 and has never quite made it and if you know he graduates this year he might never make it but like he can really play third and he's got huge power there there's swing and miss in his game i'm not i'm not saying i would take him over nolan gorman but nolan gorman swings and misses a ton too dahlbeck's raw power is with nolan gorman and he's a better third baseman um, again, I would take nolan gorman he's younger he's considerably younger um, five years younger but like you know, Nolan Gorman has gotten so much more hype than Bobby Dahlbeck, who, like I said, has kind of flown under the radar. And and I still remember Dahlbeck from covering the 2016 College World Series, where if Arizona won and they came – like he wound up losing the championship game as a pitcher, and, and there was an error behind him. If not for the error, he would have had six shutout innings, and who knows what happens. Um, but he would have been the MVP probably the College World Series. He actually had a better – playoff as a pitcher he led all pitchers in the NCAA tournament in strikeouts I remember talking to him I think he pitched I thought he, he pitched it before I got there I think he shut out Oklahoma State and then I talked to him he had another complete game win and I remember asking him like do you you know when do you like better hitting or pitching he just looked at me and shook his head he's like come on man like I hate pitching I mean, it's what he said he hated pitching but he did it because he knew they needed him to you know he was I mean he was always a slugger and he did what was best for the team but uh so I I still vividly remember Bobby Dahlbeck's pitching heroics at the 2016 College World Series and and Jordan I'm with you I, I think Cody Hosey is a guy who can move up this list I mean he broke out last year at Tulane um you know had a pretty nice debut uh didn't have any problems really hitting in the Midwest League which isn't an easy place to hit um and I, I think he could be a guy who moves pretty quick and shoot if they put him in the Cal League, I think we're going to see a, a very prospecty uh, Dodgers infield in the Cal League with with Cody Hosey and Michael Bush and Miguel Vargas and Joel Maya in the Cal League. Cody Hosey might hit you know 25, 30 home runs this year. So I, his his power really intrigues me too. Yeah, Jim. I mean, I I, I remember that so well. Is is just knowing how much he hated pitching and him just going out there and like dominating in the College World Series. Very very bizarre spectacle. Uh, but it says, you know, we, we know he has the arm. We know he can play third. Uh, uh, Jonathan, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Is there a third baseman you want to mention? Or do we want to get to the outfielders who are definitely way more exciting? Well, yeah, let's talk outfield. Okay, let's talk outfield. All right. So, uh, like shortstop, a lot of huge ceiling here. A uh, ton of guys uh, in the top uh, part of the top 100. Um, and, and I, I mean, the top of the list. I mean, this is this is the best of the best. We got uh, Luis Robert, who we can expect to see in the big leagues for much of this season. Joe Adele, of course, a recent podcast guest and a super-duper prospect for the Angels. Jared Kelnick there uh, in the number three spot. Christian Pache with the Braves. Dylan Carlson with the Cardinals. Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners. Drew Waters uh, also with the Braves, uh, J.J. Bladé, the recent top pick with the Marlins, uh, then Riley Green and Alex Kirilov finishing it off. Uh, so I like the shortstop, uh, some mix of, of kind of floor and ceiling here, guys at all different levels, all different ages. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, this these are some of the best prospects in baseball. Uh, how hard was it to kind of line up these guys? Well, I mean, only hard in terms of like, well, we've got to leave people off. Right, yeah. Off. Um, 
you know, I think is uh, the uh, the biggest thing. And there, I think there's a little bit of separation after the last at the last you know after Kirilov, but not a ton. And you can make an argument, um, you know, for for who's next, uh, you know, and and on and on and on. I mean, there are a ton more outfielders uh, who will be in our uh, in our top 100. Um, so I, you know, you, you could pick any of these guys. Yeah, you know, the, the thing is, it's in, uh, just to note, the number 10 outfielder ranks higher on the top 100 than the number 10 player at any position. And obviously there's positions like first base and second base and third base. They don't even have 10 guys on the top 100. No, that, that is that is worth noting. And they're, they're all very high up. Um, you could, I didn't count, Jim, but I wonder if you, there's another 10 top 100 outfielders. Um it's close. Uh, I'm I'm counting as you say that. Oh, we have a nice run in the 80s. We had four in a row. So, yes, there's uh, – I think there's 21 outfielders, if my quick count is accurate, on the top 100. So, so Jonathan, I'm, I'm curious then, which which of these uh, of the top 10 – right? it's not hard finding 10, obviously. You, you found 20, 21, whatever. Um, but which of these was the closest in terms of the order uh, in this top 10? Because I can see it on the top 100, which, of course, you guys will all see soon. But but which of these was, was the toughest uh, back and forth between the order? Um, man, I don't know if it was tough. It's just because, you know, it's, you know, I, you know. We, we went back and forth with Carlson and Rodriguez yeah, a little bit. I think that's probably. I'm you're looking at this. Like, we, 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 debated, we debated those two guys, and they're back-to-back, and it's like which guy was going to be first. But, you know, they, like, <laughs> you keep asking how hard it is, Jordan. It's actually pretty easy on the positions where you have plenty of guys on the top 100 because we get the top 100 in order, and it's right. like, that's okay, true, first 10 guys, step first. on up. So <laughs> that part's easy. But we did, we did go back on Dylan Carlson versus Julio Rodriguez. A lot. And I still and I will say, and I'm not I'm not doing this to curry favor with you, Jordan, Mr. Mariner, but I like I have a feeling that we're gonna look back and think maybe we underranked Julio Rodriguez. And it, and it's not like he's low, right? I mean he's he's high, he's we've moved him way up the list, but you know, I do the Mariners top thirty and even internally, um there's debate over Julio Rodriguez versus Jared Kelnick. And they're separated by what three on the outfielder list. So I, I think you could take that that the you know that the top of the list and you know maybe dice them any any which way you would want. I mean, I'd still go Robert one, Adele two, um, and then then or you know then I think you could take the rest of the guys and sort of line them up however you want and be okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think Kelnick through Rodriguez, who, you know, that's four outfielders who are separated by, they're, they're within eight spots of each other on the top 100. You could definitely argue those guys in, in any order you wanted. Uh, and looking uh, more towards towards the bottom of this, I mean, yeah, look, I, I could obviously talk Kelnick and Rodriguez all day, but um, there's still some some pretty uh, amazing uh, players at the bottom here. Uh, J.J. Lede is a guy who, I, and I know we, we don't want to ever get caught up in pro debut. They pushed him straight to high A, um, but him and him and Riley Green is kind of an interesting uh, contrast here. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any, any thoughts on these guys at the bottom of this list? Drew, I mean, Waters and Pache is a pretty co- good combo, too, if we're talking about uh, outfield prospect combos. But any of these guys you want to mention specifically? I think Waters is the, is an interesting case because you know, there's, there's some swing and miss and approach questions uh, about him offensively. 
pure, like raw tools wise, I mean, if it clicks for him, he belongs up at the top of the list. Um, because he can do everything really, really well. He kind of uh, has been in the shadow of, you know, I guess first Acuna and then Pache a little bit, but he can do everything. And I think from a ceiling standpoint, like if he if he can sort of refine his approach some, he moves up. He also could start, you know, swing and miss a whole lot more, and then you know maybe he drops off just because this list is so good. You know, Riley Green. You know, you know, you talk about Blade and, and Green. And for for me, you know, Blade is obviously this advanced uh, college hitter with a with a ton of power. Um, but Riley Green is like, from a high school outfielder standpoint, is about a high high floor of guys you can get. He can really, really, really hit. And I think he's going to be one of those high school hitters. And he did. He got promoted. Um, you know during his pro debut, he's going to move a little more quickly than many high school hitters do. Um, so he, he presents himself like a college hitter, just in terms of how advanced a bat it is for me. Uh, Jim, is there, is there anyone or, or someone that's not uh, on this list? Uh, I know we, we had a, a quick discussion about Christian Robinson uh, last time when we were looking at this, um, but there's, there's so many to pick from. Is there, is there a guy now in the top 10 that you think uh, with graduations or with a big breakout in 2020 could be uh, squarely on this list next year? Yeah. I mean, the guy who's interesting and we've been more aggressive with him than any international prospect ever. Um, and that's Jason Dominguez with the Yankees. And like, I mean, if we just want to go on ceiling and not worry about lack of track record because he just signed last year out of the Dominican Republic and he's yet to play, you could argue him up near the top of the list. I mean, you can you can it is not hard to find scouts who will put sixes or better on every one of his tools. And, and like I mean the hype is is out of control, but and, I, and I'll contribute to it because I keep writing this. I mean, he gets compared – like, when you ask guys comparisons, he gets compared to, like, like the best baseball athletes you can think of. I mean, guys like Bo Jackson, Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout. I mean, so the, the expectations on him are, are sky high. I, I don't – you know, Jonathan and I talk about this all the time. You know, Jesse Sanchez is our international guy. We don't – dip our toe into the international waters too often. It's usually after guys sign and we're ranking guys within organizations. But I had guys just bringing up Jason Dominguez to me two years before he signed. Guys, pro scouting directors who know I do the Yankees list who are saying, this guy's going to be right at the top of your list as soon as they sign him in 2019. And they're right. So, I mean, I think you're, I mean, you're looking at a guy, you know, in addition to all the tools, he's a switch hitter. He has good instincts. I mean, that's the thing. He's got, like, a mature approach. He shows instincts on the bases and in the field. So it's not just this raw package of tools. So, I mean, again, I mean, it's not probably fair to Jason Dominguez, but I've never heard a 16-year-old described in these kind of terms. Uh, So, you know, we have him firmly in the middle of the top 100, which wasn't quite enough to get him on the top 10. But if you were just going – you know, pure ceilings, uh, he'd be right up there. Again, I'm not saying I would take him over Luis Robert right now because that's too 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 early, but he has the same raw power as Luis Robert. He runs as well as Luis Robert. He's the you know, same quality defender as Luis Robert. And it's not fair because Jason Dominguez hasn't played yet, but, you know, Luis Robert, you know, struck out four times as much as he walked 
last year, and Dominguez is supposed to have a better approach. So again, Roberts proved it all the way up to AAA. So I would clearly take Luis Robert, but <laughs> Jason Dominguez might be better than Luis Robert if our preliminary scouting reports are accurate. Yeah, and I'm I'm just I can't wait to see where he plays. I mean, Jonathan, do you have any any thoughts on Dominguez? I, I mean, I. <sighs> I do, and it's, it is kind of ridiculous in terms of how many – I was hearing from people who are generally more sort of cautious and conservative about like guys like that who haven't played in or 16 and things like that talking about him. It's like, I, like they were scouting that guy when he was in utero. Um, it's kind of insane. But I think that, um, you know, ho- hopefully he comes to the States. You know, that's the thing is that we probably won't even see him play until June. I don't think you send him straight to full season, although I don't know. I think he probably goes to the Appy Like, the most advanced guys go to the Appy League, and I could see that, or I could see him starting in the GCL and then moving up to the Appy League after he destroys the GCL for a little while. Yeah, I think that 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 sounds about right. So we're going to have to wait, you know, until closer to midseason before we get any kind of, well, this is what he's like when he's playing in, in competition. Um, so uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see what that looks like. Yeah, and I would just say one more thing on Dominguez. Like, he turns 17 uh, in a few weeks. If he does go to the Appy League this year, you know, at age 17, that's basically what Wander Franco did and, and Vlad Jr. did. And Franco Franco put about 1,000 OPS in 60 games in the Appy League as a 17-year-old. Like, if Dominguez does that, that's already crazy. But, I mean, maybe he will. Like you're saying, he's, he's the best, you know, 16-year-old anyone's ever seen. So, I just, I'm just so interested about the assignment as much as uh, even all the crazy tools and the, the crazy projection. Uh, all right, Jonathan, we have time. Uh, or, or maybe, eh, eh, I guess there, the Dominguez talk maybe pushed us a little bit over. Tell us about the story you have uh, on, on Pipeline uh, as, as we speak that is very cool. Yeah, we you know it's uh, we we talk about these lists and then obviously it's all projecting into the future, but uh, what they're going to be. So uh, we try to re-rank the 2010, uh, which was then a top 50 list, and you know you know sort of what it, what it should have looked like with hindsight. Uh, and there are, you know a lot of guys who are on the new top 20 that I put that. Uh, weren't in the top 50 starting with the guy at the top who of course was Mike Trout um and uh I think it, there was only seven guys in, in the re-ranked top 20 who are in the top 50 um which is the nature of the beast um in general to, to be fair John I'm gonna interrupt you for one said to be fair like Mike Trout, yeah, looking back, it's like he was clearly the best player, but he was just coming out of rookie ball, right, when you did that list? And he was a first-round pick, but despite what revisionist history, and you have all these teams who are like, hey, we almost drafted Mike Trout. There were a handful of teams on him in the first round of the draft, like maybe four or five. Yeah, no, I'm not, yeah. I'm not beating myself up too much about it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it was at a time where I wasn't adding, you know, I wasn't adding as many recent draftees as we do now, because there's more information. I, mean, I talk to more people, there's more of us doing the list, you know, so it's, uh, I, I'm not overly upset. You know, you, you look ahead to the 2011 list and Mike Trout is, is firmly on there. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, but it was interesting to look at different uh, statistical indicators and try to come, you know, put together a, a, a top 20 list. So I urge people to, to go and, and take a, a look at the, the hindsight is 2020 story that uh on the site there you go there you go and yeah i I really do uh recommend it not just to see the guys that were so and so 
so-called missed, but just, I mean, some, some top tier remembering some guys, um, some guys, some, some disappointments, uh, some dudes that, that actually did turn out okay. Uh, and also, of course, uh, the guys that you have not thought about in literally 10 years. Uh, all right, gentlemen, this has been a, a pleasure. Um, I know you guys have to, to head to Secaucus and, and film your, your Top 100 show. I look forward uh, to seeing that. And then next week, we can uh, do a Top 100 podcast and actually talk about it in exact uh, numerical terms instead of vaguely alluding to who's in what order. Um, so- and Jordan, you'll be glad to know that unlike the winter meetings where Jonathan and I foolishly took the same flight. So if something had happened, you know, it could have had long reaching repercussions for pipeline. And then on the way back, I flew on a flight with Jason Ratliff. So we were really rolling the dice there, really rolling the dice. We're taking separate flights to Secaucus. So if somebody wants to wipe out pipeline, (laughs) it will be much more difficult than it would have been going to or from the winter meetings. All right. Well, safe travels uh, to you both. Uh, Jonathan, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining uh, me here. Uh, and uh, again, go read Jonathan's story. Go check out the all the top 10 uh, positional lists on LBPipeline.com if you wanted to see the first half of them. Jim and I talked about it on the last podcast. But until our Top 100 podcast next week, uh, I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, for Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, we will uh, talk to you next week. 